Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Redskins Nation? This is Josh Taylor. And Parker Hamlet. And you're listening to the Burgundy Breakdown Podcast. What's up, Redskins Nation? It is another episode of As the Redskins Burn. I mean, uh, Burgundy Breakdown <laughs> Podcast. We're just used to it at this point. I, I figure we change the name, but I mean, what is a what does a victory podcast feel like? They don't, I mean, they don't exist. I mean, the only one that we have was over the Dolphins, and if that felt like a victory to anyone, I I really I'm concerned as to. How you reacted when this team actually had any mild forms of success last season? No, they they take it as a win, like a, a homeschooler does in like the little uh, runner-up leagues and like baseball and stuff. You get a participation trophy. So. <laughs> That's pretty much the same equivalent. <laughs> but man, I, going into this game, like I like I legit thought like I had my hopes that we would win this game. Like as a fan, you think like there's no way like we gotta win this one. They like the Jets suck. I mean, the 32nd-ranked offense in the league, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, got mono, you know. I mean, everything under the sun is bad is happening to the Jets. The, I think we had the same record. I posted, like, a Kawhi meme about uh, them possibly getting the number one overall pick over us. I mean, the, you know, on paper, this Jets team is is fantastic. You know, in the offseason, they went and got C.J. Mosley, Le'Veon Bell, you know, they, they load it up, but, I mean, because of, you know, them being in the division with the Patriots and just a really bad start, you know, a lot like us, they, they've they only won one game up to that point, so. Yeah, they, uh, I don't know, like, we got, I thought, you know, we got lucky with all their injuries, with, like, C.J. Mosley being out, Quentin Williams being banged up, Leonard Williams getting traded to the Giants. Like, I was like, they have some holes we should be able to, you know, poke at and make some moves, but. There's random dudes I've never even heard of looking like Gronkowski out there. And, oh, Jesus. And it, we'll, we'll get into it, but I know you had some really good pregame notes with inactives and stuff. Uh, but the biggest storyline for the Redskins was definitely Geis coming back. Um, how, how are you feeling about that? Were you hyped to see him back on the field? Or, Well, I mean, I feel like everybody's kind of got their own opinion in regard to Darius. Uh, but I think everybody in the organization and the fan base definitely wants him to succeed. I mean – He's a guy that's going to eventually replace Chris Thompson because, I mean, you know, Chris Thompson's in a contract year. You know, we got Bryce Love, but uh, we took Darius in the second round. You know, everybody loved the pick. And, you know, every like everybody also knows, he's been – he's had a lot of problems with injuries. I, I don't think it's fair to say he's injury prone, but, you know, he's been nicked up a couple times and hasn't really gotten a chance to have play a full 16 games, really show us what he can do. And to actually see him play a full game and, you know, have pretty good results was was pretty encouraging in a season that's been pretty dark up to this point but like you said pregame people that are inactive you know Colt McCoy who I I honestly forget he exists sometimes Vernon, <laughs> Vernon Davis who's been yeah Vernon Davis who's been in the pro- concussion protocol since 2012 um <laughs> Paul Richardson's had a couple nicks um he's has been you know healthy either Ross Peterbacher DeShazer Everett like I just said Chris Thompson Tim Settle and a uh, big shock to everyone, uh, Monte Nicholson actually played. Yep. Um, Questionable with uh, the case of the homicide. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that that one was crazy. That, that shocked both of us, like, when that news kind of came out. And we heard more stuff about it today. Um, but, like, I was surprised he played because it was literally, like, what was it, Friday it came out? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty significant event in anyone's life to be a part of something like that. And for you to even, like, come to me or anybody else and try to entertain us with the thought that his head is even remotely in football right now due to everything that's going around him is kind of silly to me. I mean, I feel like this is a game he should have sat out on. I mean, I mean, I know everybody wants to act like we're playing for something up to this point, but in real, in all reality, we're not. I mean, even Pat, even Callahan said that after the game. You know, we're not close. We're not. You know, we we got to face reality, and and the reality is that Monte was a part of a you know someone passing away, and in what capacity that may be, we're not sure of yet. But it's definitely not trending in an upward way for sure. It's it, it doesn't look good. So yeah, I mean, he was cooperative with the uh, you know the police and stuff, but. They issued a warrant, found some stuff today. I mean, the whole situation is just sketchy. I mean, what what did I send you? Like, they found like weed, uh, some uh, foil, yeah, with, prescri- like, drug residue, yeah, prescription pills. medicine. And I mean, you know, yeah. don't get me wrong, I'd rather walk through a mile of Legos and watch Troy Apke play four quarters of football. But <laughs> at the at the same time, I mean, Monte probably isn't going to be in the National Football League much longer if he keeps doing things like this. So he got in trouble in the offseason with domestic violence. Uh, I don't know if it was domestic violence or assault, something of that sort. But, you know, he was in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, wasn't really showing up to, you know, Ashburn on a consistent basis. So, I mean, he, he he's made headlines for the wrong reasons before. I hope he gets all that stuff sorted out, but it's definitely not looking good for him. So, Yeah, that was that was just kind of shocking. He does have a little track record, but – uh. Well, I mean, we'll see what's going to happen with that. I mean, we haven't really heard much since all that came out of what they found, but it's just a crazy uh, situation. All right, TMZ's been reporting on it, so it's it, it's developing. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> always a good sign when your name's in TMZ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he he played, and I mean, he, he might as well set out just like the rest of the secondary, um, <laughs> minus uh, Landon Collins. But So, yeah, going to the game, they have terrible – uh, pass defense the Jets did, so I figured you know we'd have some uh some good holes because we got Geist, we got Haskins, and we got Scarier. And uh, to me, I was like, all right, this is like the first game where we actually can see what our future is gonna look like and see what the young guys got. So yeah, starting the game out, uh, Darnold, Bell, Crowder literally just did what they wanted. With I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty much just a roll call on offense. I mean, it was just like, hey, who wants who wants who wants reps. <laughs> Of course, Crowder does, you know, coming back to uh, D.C. for the first time. And, and, you know, it's 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 kind of funny to me. It almost feels like every single time we play against a former player, they <laughs> almost have the game of their career. I mean, I think Preston Smith's going to be in line to have 49 sacks against us later this season. So, I just – it just – it kind of blows my mind. I mean, I was at the game where uh, Alfred Morris scored the game when he touched down against us, you know. Oh, Jameson man. Crowder scoring – a touchdown on us here, you know. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but I mean, it's just it's just a kind of a trend I, I've I've noticed in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, Her cousins. I mean, yeah, it's 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 the uh, FedEx formula is what I like to call it. As soon as you leave, you start you start getting a little better. Mm. Um, but it's definitely not the start we wanted. You know, I mean, first first off, the stadium was already half empty when the game started. And uh, that kind of performance is not how you want to start. Yeah, I I looked in the tickets and I. To get even decent seats, that were it was pretty steep. I was like, you know, I understand you got to make money as a as an NFL franchise. You know, still got bills to pay, but at the same time, I mean, the product on the field just is not 
is not worthy of what they're asking for for some of these seats. So to see FedEx empty at this point already, and also in, with our record, is, is not surprising. I mean, when you got guys like Daniel Brown from JMU catching touchdowns, looking like Rob Gronkowski, first half retirement, I don't think you're going to exactly have an outstanding home attendance or breaking records with that. So, you know, Le'Veon Bell was getting open a lot, you know, and then it, it just – Early, you know, the team looked uninspired. They didn't look like they could stop a nosebleed. I mean, it was it, it was horrible early. <laughs> the whole secondary was confused. I mean, we talked about it with Landon Collins being, like, pissed off probably 90% of the game, just putting his hands up. Josh Norman looking worse and worse. And I got, like, it's getting to the point where, like, when a quarterback plays bad, he gets benched. At what point do you bench Josh Norman? I just, I mean, I guess that they feel like they've invested too much financially in him to even consider something like that. But at the same time, you've got guys like Aaron Colvin, Jimmy Moreland. You've got guys that, you know, honestly would kind of, I wouldn't say thrive, but they would definitely benefit from being. Something. In, yeah, they, they'd gain something from being in a situation like that. But I guess they don't want to, you know, attack and harm Josh's frail ego that he's developed over the years, or ba- just simply based off of how much he makes rather than his production on the field yeah i mean i know we're high on jimmy moreland too he had a pretty bad game to start out with you know dropping the interception and then roughing the kicker uh which allowed them to get seven instead of three um but i mean when josh norman's given up i think like honestly he was responsible for at least 14 points this game <laughs> that's that's not a stretch whatsoever i mean like at least it might be it might be twenty one. I mean, yeah. When you hear when you hear someone say that, they're gonna, you know, your first brain instinct is to go to, oh, there's that's kind of a stretch, man, you know. But I mean, in all realness, right, if you actually yeah. watch the game, he literally was nowhere near making a play almost ninety percent of the time. No, it, it was it's beyond frustrating. Like he'll stay there, or he'll pick up a random guy for no reason. Yeah, like oh, this guy's already getting covered. Let me leave my guy and come to this guy. Like why? No, you need to stick with your your dude who's wide open in the end zone and celebrating now and jumping into our that, that was a big play that happened. I think he was uh they were in the red zone and um he was he was supposed to be covering Robbie Anderson and literally Robbie Anderson run right by and passed him off to the other guy who was actually doing his you know, his yeah. assignment. And then Josh was just sitting there acting like, you know, oh what ha- what happened? <laughs> what happened, Josh? He said, whoa, 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 where'd it go? And, you know, it may sound like we're kicking this dude while he's down, but in all he realness, sucks. he's just that bad this season. When you pay someone that much, like I could understand if he was on, like, a vet minimum and he's just going year by year like some old dude. But when you're the second highest paid corner in the league, not on the team, the entire league, and you're literally, like, he's got to be, like, bottom five starting corners in the NFL. I mean, absolutely, and and for him to – that's why he's a laughing stock, man. I mean, when we first acquired him, I was on cloud nine, man. You know, coming fresh Hi. off that Carolina season, you know, he was – dude, he was one of the hottest players in the NFL. You know, he's aggressive. And one thing I will commend Josh for is that, you know, when it comes to just, you know, the peanut punch and just ball – just aggressive ball-making plays, I mean, he's – he's I, that's one thing he's really good at is that he goes for it, man. He tries to rip the ball at every chance he gets, and that's something that I feel like is lost in a lot of corners this, you know, in this day and age in the NFL. But at the same time, when it comes to just pure cover corners, he's, like you said, just bottom five right now, and it's sad. There was that one video going around of him of the game when uh, Powell, like, ran it to the left side, and he was, like, getting ready to score, and he, like, tripped over his foot, like, luckily. 
And Norman's literally just like walking, like to tackle him. He's not even trying at all. No, I mean he's making business decisions. Because then in the day, Josh Norman not only is he playing completely uninspired and probably the worst football of his career, but he just doesn't want to be a Washington Redskin. I mean, he came here thinking that he could change the culture, be the catalyst of this team. But then when it didn't work out like that, he kind of just faded into the background and became another guy in the locker room. I mean, that's not something he expected. That's not something we wanted to happen. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't work out everywhere like that sometimes. And, you know, Josh Norman in D.C., you know, everybody had very wishful thinking at the beginning of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, just some not everything works out and, Hopefully he can go somewhere and be successful as he was in Carolina. But, you know, based off his play on the field, I don't see how anybody in the NFL could even consider him a number one corner at this point. So he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so at all. But uh, taking talking about, like, taking away, you know, time from players, and I think there's some players that need more time on the field. And I think Sims is definitely one of those. And that's another thing that blows my mind is, like, he has this great return for, like, 35 yards, and, of course, it's brought back by a flag. But then, like, the rest of the game, we put Trey Quinn back into return kicks. And oh, I don't, man, I'm over Trey Quinn. I'm, I'm going to roast him so bad. This, you, this you, won, you, you win the, you won the I, one. Dude, I've been telling you, he is so bad. Uh, you know, maybe it was because him and Keenum had a little bit more chemistry, and, you know, I guess that was – I guess he was somebody that I felt like Keenum could rely on, and he was somebody that I felt like was outplaying his draft capital. But at the same time, man, I mean, just more early, more often than not nowadays, he's he's whenever we're talking about him, it's just for the wrong reasons. And I mean, you know, other guys that I feel like are new or who are playing pretty bad. I mean, you say some guys need more playing time. I feel like some of these younger guys are getting too much playing time. And one of those guys is somebody that I feel like everybody was very high on coming to the season, and you know. Cole Holcomb's just not making plays, man. You know, I, I was I was watching the game, and, you know, Allen, Payne, I and I just were all accounted for on the line, and, you know, Bilal Powell and freaking Josh Adams and um, freaking Le'Veon Bell were just running straight up the gut, and Cole Holcomb had no idea what gap to, ha- gap to hit, had no idea what to do. He just looked lost out there, man. He's, he's not stepping up and making, you know, physical plays like a linebacker needs to. A starting linebacker needs to. I mean, he's clearly showing that, you know, he was just a guy that we kind of drafted just because of his speed rather than his tackling ability. And it's sad because I, I like Cole Holcomb. He's a good kid. Watched him play North Carolina. He's he's a good athlete. But, you know, all those flashes he, he showed earlier in the season are looking more so like they were just flashes rather than, a, you know, a, an actual, you know, consistent margin of, you know, success in the NFL. I mean, what are your thoughts on Cole? He's had a couple of games this season, but like the more he plays, the more like we've talked about before. I'm just excited for Ruben Foster to, to absolutely get healthy and absolutely. come back in. I saw the video of him rehabbing. I'm, I'm I think everybody's excited for him to come back, man. Yeah, his rehab seems to be going really well, and he's definitely a need that we need. And uh, I think Bostic can, you know, stick around. Maybe like his depth. We actually cut Noah Spence today for some reason. I don't know why. Um, because, I mean, he probably has more sacks than any, anyone else at the linebacker on the team. He only played, like, two games. Um, but I like Bostic, you know, sticking in. He had a huge interception against the Jets. Just a Sam Darnold-esque throw. Just <laughs> throwing it to nothing. Vin- vintage Darnold, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, on, on the thought of Bostic, you know, he was a guy that when he was in a where, – where did he come from? Pittsburgh. I, yeah, I, I wasn't very impressed with him, you know. I mean, he, he had a pretty solid amount of tackles. But when it came to, you know, his ball hawk skills and – you know, his coverage, that was definitely one of his, you know, weaker aspects of his game. But, you know, to see him make a play like that was pretty pretty inspiring. Yeah. 
No, I think he'll definitely. I mean, I think we only signed him to like a one year deal, anyways. But I think he'd be worth bringing back. You know, whether it's depth or if he's still starting, I don't know. Like, you know, we got Sean down Hamilton. I don't know if Ruben Foster is gonna, you know, come back right away next season. You would hope so, but I would definitely keep him around. I mean, he may, he makes Mason Foster. No God, no. <laughs> I don't even need to finish <laughs> Dolly, the Dollar General version of uh, John Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you another thing is, dude, is that. I feel like I was talking to one of my buddies about this. I feel like Ryan Kerrigan literally only has good games against like backup offensive linemen. And it's late in the season when nobody cares. Yeah, like nobody cares. I mean, he could freaking Miles helmet swinging Garrett hijacked his freaking sack celebration. No one cared. You know, Ryan Kerrigan may be the most consistent player on our team, but at the same time, his consistency comes at like quintessentially garbage time in these games. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even tell you the guy he was lined up across from on Sunday and what he was doing. No I couldn't. Idea. But, like, I mean, I was like, all right, finally he got, like, a sack, and then he had, like, the strip sack. And, of course, we don't recover it because that's too good of football. Um, But, like, whenever, like, whenever we start talking bad about him, like, every season he'll start getting a sack, like, week 10 when we're already, like, one and nine or one and eight. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, where was this? the first half of the season that where we've been roasting you every podcast episode. That, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, everybody feels like we're being overly critical of him in some instances. And I'm just like, well, you know, if he's as great of a player as he says he is, and he's, you know, just this undeniable pass rusher, you know, Von Miller level talent, then, you know, why is he not showing up against these, you know, like upper echelon, you know, offensive linemen. That, that's my whole point. And speaking of offensive linemen, we, our offensive line has looked terrible. Oh, jeez. So a- I want I want to talk about the offensive line and then Haskins because one thing that I like my main note on this game, Chase Roulier probably snapped it four times below Haskins' knees, and he fumbled. Two of them were fumbles, and then the other two it was just really bad snaps that delayed the play uh, getting set up. So, and outside of that, everybody just looked bad on the offensive line. He had no time at all. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Everybody's going to sit here and act like you, everybody knows I'm a Dwayne Haskins stand, and everybody knows that you're pretty defensive of him, too. Most oh, yeah, of the rest of Yeah. But, I mean, you know, at the same time, you know, a lot like the conditions last week, you know, this wasn't a very ideal, you know, circumstances for Dwayne. I mean, some of the snaps, like you said, were horrible. We made Jamal Adams look like J.J. Watt. I mean, it was. It was it was bad, man. Dwayne was not getting clean time to throw the ball whatsoever. And while we're on the topic of the offensive line, we might as well bring up the elephant in the room. Dwayne yeah. Haskins, you know, I think it was a midway through the first half, walks over to the offensive line at the bench, you know, just looks at them all dead in the eye while they're all huddled around and says, what, what do I need to do to, to help you? What do I need to do? I mean, the kid's pleading, begging. Yeah. No, I mean, and a lot of people, some people liked it, some people hated it. I liked it. I know Morgan Moses talked more about it um, and said, like, it wasn't like a, hey, y'all need to step your shit up kind of thing. It was more of a, y'all are a veteran group. I'm the young guy. What do I need to do? Like, am I not okay, I'm, up in the pocket? And that, that may have been the silver lining of what he said, but I, all in all, when he, when the phone call initially started, because I think he called one of the kind of the well-known radio stations in D.C. I forget the name off the top of my head. No disrespect to those guys. But one of the things that he said was, you know, when you got seven guys rushing and five offensive linemen, do simple math. How many yeah. how many guys does that leave open? You know, you got to stand in the pocket and make that throw. 
that just sounded extremely condescending to me. I, I don't that, that's not really something that I feel like gives your quarterback any affirmation. And while you know I understand what Morgan's saying, at the same time, you know, you know what you need to say to the media, you know what you need to say to everybody. To me, that just sounded like Morgan kind of passing off blame on Haskins, a rookie who's in his second career start as an NFL player. You know, like that. That I feel like that's somebody you should lean on just a little bit more. I mean, like it's like you said at the end, he kind of just he kind of backtracked a little bit and you know sweetened up what he said. But at the same time, you know, I feel like he could have phrased that a little bit better rather than making yeah. it sound like Dwayne's ineptitude was the reason he got hit so much, rather than the fact that Morgan could hardly handle the guy that was across from him almost the entire game. I mean, if you look at the film, dude, him Bergstrom, you know, even Sheriff had problems. More like. There were so many plays where Moses was supposed to get a guy that was passed off to him or pass off a guy to him, vice versa, and he just was getting absolutely oh, terrible, handled. dude. Just terrible. And second off, all right, two more things. One, like you just said with Morgan Moses, there was literally like two plays I watched. He would pass the first guy off for no reason and then just pick up like the sec- the blitzer coming like farther away. Like he would just pass off the first guy. And second off, screw Berkshire, dude. If you like rewatch the video, a lot of people are saying it where he's just like smirking and like looking away, not paying attention, like giving like Haskins zero credit, just like brushing him off, like yo fuck this guy, I don't care what he says. Like, I still yeah. did. Did you quite make out what he said? I couldn't. You know, but, I, I was sitting there watching with a couple of my friends, and I I thought I could see him mouth the words, throw the ball. I I, I don't know the hundred percent whether that's what he said or not, but I, I, could I wouldn't tell be him. surprised. I mean, you could tell by the look on his face, just the stupid smirk on his face. Dude, I know. hated that. He, that annoyed me so much. For the, the fact that Dwayne Haskins has the balls to come up to you and be like, look, this is my second game. Like, what do I need to do to make like us as a whole unit better? Like, what do I need to do to help y'all out? And you're sitting here like riding this golf, like, yo, you're just a kid. Like, I don't care. Like, he's just like this Tony arrogant Burkson. smirk. Who's Tony Burkson? <laughs> I feel like our yeah. damn long snapper would have done a better job blocking than Tony Burkson did on Sunday. I don't even know who Tony Burkson is, and he'll probably be at home with his kids next NFL season, if we're being quite frank. Because he's not a tie in a second. He's not a guy that's going to go somewhere else and play great. He's somebody that's literally only making a headline because he's a shitty teammate, if we're going to be frank about it. Okay. I mean, it's just the bottom line. Yeah, I, dude, I was pissed. I, 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 I wanted to, like, fight him for Haskins and just, like, hit him with, like, a three-piece. He'd be like, this is for Dwayne. Bro. Yeah, and Dwayne handled just- it well. And, you know, another guy that kind of left Dwayne hanging a little bit, and I expect a little bit more from him in the, in the blocking game, was Adrian Peterson. You know, we'd run a lot of pistol, a lot of, a lot of shotgun, and the plays were designed to give Dwayne a little bit more time to throw so that he could plant his foot and make those big throws that we all know he's capable of. And within, you know, during play action, I feel like Adrian Peterson let Dwayne get hit way too much. And like you said, this team let Dwayne get hit way too much. And that's a problem, you know? And, and, and let me go ahead and just address one of the big plays of the game that got called back because of the offensive line's fault. You know, uh, they called play action. Uh, Adrian Peterson blocked pretty well in that play, surprisingly. Dwayne climbs up. Rockets the ball. I think uh, Ohio State Barstool posted it. I mean, I, everybody was freaking out. Sixty-seven yard bomb to Terry McLaurin. You know, but we were down thirteen. Up. Can't stop holding to save his life. Yeah, after, I hits mean, a guy it, with it, a clothesline from hell and gets a penalty and brings it back. You know, a guy that's demanding to be paid to be the highest paid guard in football can't even you know play discipline enough just so this quarterback can make just climb in the pocket like a normal QB and deliver a ball to, you know, the best receiver on the team in a moment in the game where we needed the momentum desperately. I mean, you know, 
had that, you know, had that connected and, you know, actually, you know, the chains had moved, I feel like that we'd be seeing a different song about this game. I feel like that game would have been a lot closer going into the half. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, like I said, you know, got called back because of holding by Brandon Scherf. I, I felt like he got unsportsmanlike conduct for handling it like a child, which was, yeah. you know, uninspired. And, like, I, I salute Donald Penn for, like, fighting for it. But, like, it was clearly holding, but Donald Penn, you know, said for a while now, like, the refs got, like, a target on our back. And, and like, he kind of played I'm, for us. How, how can you blame the refs for that, though? That, that That's my yeah. thing. No, I mean, it was you, it was clearly a clothesline. Yeah, but, you take that you take that play at face value. You look at where his hands are. I mean, it was blatant that he was holding the guy. I mean, the refs yeah. are just going to do their job at the end of the day. And like a lot of guys said after the game, the, the, we're an extremely undisciplined team. Callahan can say whatever he wants. Everyone else can say what they want. But like I said, we we, we just get penalized way too much in very crucial situations. So we went from a almost a seventy yard Ohio State connection to a first and twenty five and a punt. Yeah. And that is the reason we thwart our own progress. We shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, and I don't want to hear a single person say that Haskins played bad or any. I mean, I even saw people like Burgundy Blog was saying like this kid sucks. Blah 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 blah. Like, oh my god! Like, how do you watch? That's literally like obviously he's not as good as Pat Mahomes, but that's a Pat Mahomes esque throw. Oh, if Pat did that, oh my goodness, it'd be on the check down. Oh, on ESPN, people would be salivating. Sunday Night Football would have played that shit a hundred times and would have just rode it until people were sick of it. Lamar Jackson can make throws like that in Holmes. It's just like that beautiful on the run. That I mean, that pass is so hard to do. I mean, the arm talent displayed in just that one play it was just so elite that I, I couldn't tell you many more guys in the NFL maybe other than maybe a Rodgers or Brady that can make a throw like that. I mean, I don't know if Brady's got that arm strength up to this point, but, you know. Well, he can't run like that. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I mean, you know, Dwayne has been, you know, knocked for his mobility throughout the draft process, and I, I, I never understood it. I mean, he's he's always been extremely athletic and a very good improviser. I mean, he's had to be a good improviser for us because he's been getting assaulted in the pocket ever since he's been, you know, the starter. But, you know, like I said, man, you know, Dwayne just knows what to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the big difference between Mahomes and, and, and um, Haskins in that instance is that, you know, it's all about context and, and people can sit here and, you know, guys like, you know, like you said, Burgundy, Burgundy uh, blog and Redskins talk and Hawk. I mean, I, I can sit here and name all the Redskins, you know, media outlets that are criticizing Dwayne Haskins for how he's playing. But then the day Dwayne Haskins doesn't have Andy Reid. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have Tyree Hill. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have Travis Kelsey. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have LeSean McCoy. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have a brilliant offensive coach. I mean, everybody likes Kevin O'Connell, but then the day he's not, you know, a revolutionary play caller. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has not been put in an ideal situation whatsoever, and I don't even think he's even close. And to see all these, you know, DC, you know, media outlets just knocking him and just ripping him apart is really, it's really discouraging to me because I really would like to see anyone, you know, at his age with his circumstances come in and actually be able to succeed and produce in these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about how bad the offensive line was, but like Chase, Chase really, really dropped the ball literally on 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 this game. Like, I just I rewatched it. I just finished the game up like an hour ago, and I literally counted four or five times. It's so bad they even like said it commentating. They're like, a lot of these snaps are like going to Haskins' feet and like just skipping across the field. Like, how do you not properly snap a ball? I mean, at, at this level, how, how is that? What's the excuse for that? Dude, like, I can I can literally snap a ball. Like, shotgun, I can literally snap, like, a 
a spiral ball. Like, it's not hard. No, it's not. And if we're going to say and be that, that critical of Haskins, we need to be critical of other people as well. Everybody, everybody needs to be accountable. Like, it's to the point where, like, we literally suck. Like, it's not even a joke. It's not even, like, like we legit suck. And yeah. Haskins, like, showed that, he, like, he has talent. And if you're, like, legit giving up on this kid, you just want to rebuild and, like, do it again and just pray to God that the next guy has something different that just automatically is, like, freaking Aaron Rodgers straight out of the draft. It, it just doesn't happen, and people don't realize that, and they're not realistic. And they're they're either, like, the old-fashioned fans that just could give a shit and they just cheer for the Redskins, they don't care who's on the team, or you're, like, the unrealistic person that's like, yo, let's just, like, draft all the good players and – start winning like why don't we why do we draft the shit yeah why is it not that simple for us well the reason it's not that simple is because no matter how special of a player you are you know to succeed in the nfl other things around you need to be working as well and we are literally the equivalent of a dumpster fire therefore it's going to take a really 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 special person to come in and, and pretty much carry the entire burden of this franchise on their back i mean you know it, Mahomes didn't even do that in Kansas City. I mean, you know, they already had a well-established starter in Alex Smith. They were making the playoffs. They were succeeding there. They already had a great offensive coach. They already have, you know, Tyree Kill. They already had uh, Kareem. Like, they already had plenty of pieces in place to where if another quarterback were to come in, they could succeed. He did nothing but enhance that. Dwayne is a good NFL quarterback. The problem with it is that he's coming into a situation where he has almost nothing around him. And, you know, for the – you know, him, Terry, and guys to be on the field for the same time finally this season was a really encouraging thing to see. But, you know, it's just something they're going to have to build off of because that's really the only thing that us as Redskins fans have to look forward to in watching games for the rest of the season is seeing what our young guys can do, you know, working towards next season. Yeah, I saw a uh, a stat watching the game. I, <laughs> I'd like to say I wasn't surprised, but honestly it blew my mind. But since um... – Alex Smith got hurt. Like, it's just showing how bad, like, statistically we have been. We're literally, like, this is not exaggerating. We're literally dead last in points per game, dead last in total yards per game, and dead last in passing yards per game. We're hard so to if watch. You're, hard if, to you're, watch. if you're one of the fans saying, why don't we play Case and why don't we play Colt, that is why, because they obviously suck. We're dead last in every category possible for passing and anything that includes points. We are dead last. Like, there's 32 teams, and we are 32nd. So like if you're giving up on Haskins already, then like what do you what do you what do you want out of I mean they have the nothing game? they have nothing to offer in comparison, like at all. Like what what is Case Keenum gonna do that's so extraordinary and such a variant to what, you know, Haskins could do? Same with Colt. I mean, it's just to even just entertain the thought of that to me is just childish. I mean and, and another thing about this game that was extremely discouraging was that, you know, once we kinda got in some momentum, uh, you know, Jets muff a kickoff you know we, we got we got opportunities to score and you know guys got loose and you know it, it kind of felt like you know itching towards the second half or the end of the first half that we were going to you know we, we're this was going to be a competitive game and with all of our young guys in the field it was just kind of a it was a good feeling you know it didn't feel stale it felt like you know we had young core players who, who wanted to compete and you know then you know we shoot ourselves in the foot again and you know the bum known as Dustin Hopkins just keeps missing field goals I mean we oh, just shooting ourselves in the foot over and over and over and over again. It's almost just a, a running just gag, a, just a joke, a, ho- a dead horse that just keeps getting beat over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and we played a ton of Wendell Smallwood, and I saw way too much of him. I know Pete Haley was saying it. JP was like, why? 
is he in so much? And his he had the most snaps. Sucks. He had the most snaps of all running backs for us. It's on terrible. It took us until eight minutes left in the second quarter to put Darius Geis in. Are you kidding me? I mean, I understand you want to – I mean, okay. But at the same time, you know, that is a player that I feel like they should kind of ease back into the rotation because I feel like that was one of the big things – one of the biggest reasons he got hurt. I mean, the dude's coming back off of, off of a huge injury last season and Jay Groot makes him the bell cow back, gives him 30 freaking carries coming off of a big injury like that. You're going to get hurt. I mean, I'm not going to knock Callahan for that. They, they had a nice little rotation of running backs, but – when it came to running the ball and not receiving the ball, I mean, if you're going to do the statistics, I think AP only had one or two more yards, and he had 26 yards rushing on the ground compared to Darius Geis. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the rotation. I see what you're saying. You know, when you have a dynamic playmaker like Darius Geis, why is he getting into the game when we're down 13 nothing in the second quarter rather than earlier than that? Yeah, I mean, it's just, and then when they do, like they finally put him in, they ran him four straight times. So, like, you're talking about, like, workload and, like, rotation and stuff like fair that. Fair point, fair point. <laughs> it took him forever and, like, all right, guys, well, you're going to be the only one that sees the ball this drive, so. And, like, it just – Smallwood, like, his pass protection was terrible. We talked about it with the offensive line looking bad, but there's so many plays and then drop passes. Good Lord. He dropped, like, two. Trey Quinn dropped, like, two. And that's I another mean, thing you're not going to see these Haskins haters talking about is, is no. just the ineptitude of receiver. I mean, outside of Terry McLaurin, who really has been a reliable receiver for Dwayne Haskins? I mean, he doesn't have a tight end. He's got Jeremy Cupcake Sprinkles just who catches one ball a game for 14 yards and fumbles it every single damn time. Yeah. And finally, I mean, I was – I hate to say this. This is not in a bad way, but I was glad to see that Paul Richardson didn't play. You know, I obviously hate a guy being hurt, but I was like, thank you. We can finally see some – Harmon play and like he actually stepped up. He made some nice catches. He, you know, showed some little flashes and he had a he actually had a pretty solid game. He had a five catches for fifty three yards. I was actually kind of impressed by that. But one thing I will say about Harmon and tell me whether you notice this or not. Every time he catches the ball, it's like it's always for like four or five yards and it's extremely dramatic. Yeah, (laughs) it's like just him just giving everything in his earthly being to just possess the ball. It's like, Kelvin, there's no one within three <laughs> yards of you. Why are you trying so hard to catch this pass? It's like Matrix catching it. Like yeah, jumping. literally, just like it's slow motion. But, you know, we said Kelvin had a good game. We're going to talk about people that are having bad games uh, on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, Fabian Monroe is legally blind. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know who he's covering. I, I He was a guy that, you know, in this offseason, I feel like got – Way just got his head blown up way too much. He was somebody's like, oh, we don't need Kendall Fuller. I mean, I know that's old news, but you know, looking back on everybody thought we were going to be all right because we had Fabian when when we traded Kendall to the Chiefs. But I I just knew, man. When I watched Fabian in college, man, he was just extremely undisciplined. He's another guy that we drafted just because of how fast he was and his athletic ability, rather than you know his ball skills and his you know how how good he is in the playbook and you know just his instincts. You know that, that I. He was getting absolutely torched. I mean, Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin, who who didn't have a job for a while. Played for the Houston Texans last year. You know, was a free agent tight end. Came in, and we made him look like Rob Gronkowski, man. I mean, I, we just keep dropping no-name tight ends. But, I mean, this really just kind of goes to show you how bad the Redskins defense was yesterday. I mean, there was a play with about, I think it was about a minute and 20 seconds to halftime, Fabian blew coverage on Ryan Griffin. And Ryan Griffin ran almost untouched all the way to the end zone. And, you know, they went up on us, I think it was 23 going into the half. It was embarrassing. Like, him and then Norman, like, just stopping in the play and just covering the sideline hashes and nothing else on the field. 
and he just ran right past him. I mean, I think he had like three three catches where he was literally wide open. At, yeah, and, literally wide uh, open. And no the, one, I mean, no one's in sight. The entire secondary needs a recall, like minus Landon Collins. He's a damn good tackler, dude. And like he that's what's helped gonna up. save him. That's what's gonna save him. It's definitely yeah. not his. He's definitely no ball hawk for us right now because I couldn't tell you last time I saw him make a play in the air. But like you said, man, he's he's probably the most surefire tackling safety in the NFL, maybe other than Derwin James or Earl Thomas. Yeah, he's he just that's one thing he does that nobody else does. Like he actually puts in effort to like tackle people. Monroe isn't doing it. Obviously, Josh Norman's not tackling anybody. I you know I will say though. Uh, Landon has a very bad habit because of how aggressive he is, biting really hard on play action. Ryan Griffin and, and Sam Darnold were eating him up yesterday. I feel like every single time they ran a boot, Landon just fell for it every single time. Yeah. Well, maybe it's because he knows that there's no one else on the defense that's going to make a play. Yeah, I mean, God knows no one else is making that tackle. <laughs> I got to cover this 70 yards left from this field. But just yeah. nobody else. Uh, if we're, we also need to address that uh, the GOAT, Got hurt yesterday. Uh, oh. He seems to be okay. Seems to be okay. Uh, prayers up for Tressway. You know when he went down, I, uh, us, us, you know, diehard Redskins fans love that guy, man. And it's it blows my mind that he hasn't made the Pro Bowl yet. We've actually had people DMing us about vote. Did you see that? Someone, yeah, no, someone, I voted for him. He deserves it. Dude. Yeah, I did too, man. I mean, he. We see him in freaking uh, Bond Secure training set of Redskins training camp every year, and dude, he's booting the ball. I mean, he's easily the best punter in the NFL, bar none. And oh, yeah. I hate to see a guy go down like that, especially a guy who's as good as his craft as Tressway. He's so, going to be per, good. Per, big guy. He's good. He's, he'll, he'll be good to go next week, I'm 100% sure. Okay, cool. He just grows another goat leg back. Um, <laughs> dude, but, like, like it's funny because, like, he'll, like, almost get, like, it's the punts where they're almost blocked that, like, he just, like, barely hits me and go, like, 70 <laughs> yards. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, this is blocked. Like, oh, shit, no. That's, that's I, I'll tell you. Three. Uh, I'm just looking up, posting over my notes, and one of the notes I had was pretty funny. Um, I put literally the entire line is blocking Quentin Williams. I, that's something I noticed throughout most of the game, and you know, I probably should have said this when we were talking about Morgan Moses, but I felt like just I, for Callahan to be an offensive line coach and to have his guys just be so – we're going to talk about numbers. I don't feel like everybody on the line should be blocking uh, injury-prone Quentin Williams and leaving your rookie quarterback as vulnerable as, as he was. Our offensive line needs, like, a weekend getaway somewhere together because they just all suck. It's, it's, it's so bad. I mean, and, you know, it's just like the, the overall scheming and just coaching this game was just horrible across the board. I mean, we had Ryan, we had Ryan Kerrigan – Covering Ryan Griffin in open field on third down. I I know we talked to you know <laughs> I know we've talked to plenty of people about our thoughts on that and how you know critical we are of it. But I mean, you really think Ryan Kerrigan is going to cover anyone downfield and succeed? And I mean, you no, know, I'm other teams that. weren't having these problems. You know, our defensive line is stout, but Sam Darnold had forever and a day to throw the damn ball yesterday. I really sacked him like twice. I can't tell you one person on their offensive line. And he's known for like getting hit a lot and fumbling and throwing interceptions. And like we actually made him look good. And that's what made me even more mad because he's not good. Yeah, I mean, mean, QB hurry is a statistic. I mean, uh, we gave him QB relaxation because, I mean, he had all day to throw the ball. What the hell is a QB hurry? Like, I mean, he, like I said, man, I mean, he, he, he could just stand in the pocket. You know, go to left pile, left hash, right hash. You know, do whatever he wanted to do. I mean, it was just kind of sad. It's just I, I don't, I don't even know where to go. Like, I for sure thought this was the game that Minuski got fired. 
I was like, it has to be. Sam Darnold had four passing touchdowns. I, I, I just kind of put that in perspective. When you're letting a guy like that have a career day on you, a guy who has proven nothing in this league and just looked more like, you know, Colin Coward's Man Crush Monday, I, no. that, that's really all he is to me. I mean, he's definitely not a proven NFL starting quarterback. I mean, you know, they had the, they've had the best roster they've had since he's been there, and, you know, he gets mono and has gone for a month, and their season essentially goes down the drain. And, you know, he comes back and just plays terrible. I, I still don't understand how they beat the Cowboys. I, I'm, I'm still – That's mine, that actually dude. happened. That's the one good thing they've done this season. And, like you said, they're they're literally the worst scoring offense in the league, and they dropped 34 on us. I, it, that's actually – I don't know how we could actually get worse than letting Mitchell Trubisky dot us up at the beginning of the year, but we managed to outdo ourselves. <laughs> it just happened. Hey, shout out to Darius guys for like from the picture just now. Hey, yeah. But what's up? <laughs> so speaking of guys, it's a good segue. Thank you guys, dude. That one play, Haskins' first touchdown, Darius guys' first touchdown. Yeah, let's actually talk about something positive. I know it's going to be a kind of a yes. traumatic, a little bit of a shock for some people, but we're actually going to talk about something positive here on the Burgundy Breakdown podcast. We got all the negatives out. I wouldn't say all. I wouldn't say all of them, but eighty percent of it. Now it's positive vibes. Darius guys, (laughs) he's all about the positive vibes on Twitter and saying stuff and deleting it. But (laughs) (laughs) nonetheless, Darius guys, heck of a run. I mean, he had like two or three really good runs where he was just plowing guys over. But I love that little stiff arm to just like sweep the guy out of bounds. Right. Oh my god, dude, he he. He runs so hard, and I think that's yeah. the biggest reason the fan. You know, he I know he bowls with the fans. He's always talking to people on social media, whether that's a good or a bad thing to some people. But, I mean, you know, Darius, he's extremely aggressive. When I watched him LSU, man, I mean, I feel like if he was starting in Leonard Fournette's place, I feel like he could have acquired the same statistics, if not better. I mean, Darius is a monster, man. I, I When we drafted him, I went absolutely nuts. I mean, he was a day-two pick that I was just clamoring for since the beginning of the draft process because, you know, well, ever since the you know the the void that Alfred Morris left, we'd never really been able to find anybody that would could be our bell cow back. And, you know, like 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 you know, he like I said earlier, he had a pretty rough start to the you know his career. But at the same time, you know, he's somebody that I feel like you know when he's healthy, not only as as shown on this play can he be a threat in the passing game, but just when it comes in between the tackles, downhill running, he will run straight through you. Yeah, and he showed that he can catch a ball and do something with it, as he did in the touchdown. So that was a huge shout out, you know, big play. Haskins felt good after that. And to me, that kind of like opened a little door of like, I don't know if it was just Haskins feeling good. Oh, yeah. It was a gateway to actually, you know, somewhat of an offensive progression for the rest of the game, whether it had been garbage time or not. It was nice to see them kind of, you know, prosper and and make some plays the rest of the game. Like you said, it was kind of a gateway. I thought it was pretty cool. The first touchdown since Moses loaded up the arc. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was just phenomenal. Like, I was like, thank God. Like, And this pissed me off, too. Like, when guys jumped into the uh, crowd, there was a freaking Cowboy fan wearing a Dak Prescott jersey. Hey, man, he can't afford to go to home games. Let Leave him be, man. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, They're too I, busy I, giving Dak all that money. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the cool things, I, I, I one of the stories I heard about the touchdown, though, is that, uh, you know, I know that uh, Haskins had uh, his passing – I know he's already scored his first career passing touchdown in the preseason against the Bengals, but this was his actual first passing touchdown in a regular season NFL game, and it was Geis's as well. Um, when In regards to the game ball, because, you know, they keep those kind of things after big plays like that, um, Haskins did t- went straight to Darius, told him he didn't want it, and that, you know, it, it was a way bigger moment for him because of all the adversity he faced, you know, in the early 
stages of his career. So he, he said, I don't want him in. You keep it. And, you know, stuff like that, man, is, is, is why I think Haskins is going to work out in the long run. Everybody can go to, everybody can sit here and just, you know, be snarky and say that he comes to the podium and acts like he doesn't care. But, you know, I, I feel like he has a lot more composure than a lot of these quote unquote veterans in the locker room. And, you know, for him to not make that moment about himself and to, you know, let guys, you know, kind of, you know, get rewarded for all the crap he went through and, and to just, you know, embrace his teammate rather than, you know, make it about him. I think that was very big of Haskins. Yeah. I mean, and like, frankly, like I was thinking about it after the game, I was like, all right, if I had to just straight up dissect, like just Haskins, like what would I take away from this game? And a lot of people agree with me. I think he looked like good from what, what he was working with. Like I said, the old line was terrible. A lot of low snaps, a lot of drop balls. The huge sixty-yard bomb to uh, Terry getting taken away. Like if that stuff doesn't happen, and it's just Haskins being himself. Yes, he has mechanic stuff he has to work on. His, I mean, that's something that people talk about. Like when he misses, he misses high, or like when he throws the ball, like sometimes it'll go low because his arms like to the right. Son, he's working on stuff, but like straight up, the guy is showing like more and more every week. Well, let me ask you a question: if if you and this is a kind of a hot topic I've seen on Twitter. Out of the two performances you've seen from him so far, which performance did he show you more in? This one or the Buffalo game? I'd say this one just because the passes this game were a lot better. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people in the, you know, major, you know, D.C. sports media saying that this was just a terrible performance. I mean, you know, he hardly had 200 passing yards, had a ter- had an interception. Which the funny thing about the interception is that it was completely Trey Quinn's fault. I mean, oh, hundred percent. I mean, you know, Trey ran a, was supposed to be an option route and then started running forward in double coverage. I mean, to me, it just looks like Trey just runs around in crowds of people and hides just so he doesn't actually get targeted. And when he does get targeted, he does nothing but just throw his quarterback completely under the bus. But I'd say this performance is better too, just based off the fact that the only turnover they had wasn't even his fault. And you know, like you said, bad snaps. You know, adverse conditions. You know. But, you know, my big thing is, and I think the biggest reason everybody's very critical of Dwayne is that, you know, last year, you know, Alex Smith thrived under these same circumstances. But my thing is, is that this is not this this is not the offense of last year. We don't have Jordan Reed. You know, we I, I can sit here and list all the intangibles and all the reasons why this is not the same Redskins offense. But, I mean, Case Keenum came in, and, you know, if this was the same offense that it was last season, then it should have definitely moved the chains a lot more than it has up to this point. So Haskins was not inheriting a surefire, well-oiled machine. He was inheriting a car that hasn't started in <laughs> 10 damn years that you're trying to sell for $500. A 2,000 Volkswagen. Yeah, but, exactly. Like, I mean, like you said, like, people are saying, well, did you see the, like, the, the pass to Trey Quinn? If you rewatch that play, he runs his route, he sits, Haskins goes to throw it, and then he takes off again towards the biggest crowd, and he just hides. And then he he's hides. like, oh, man, I, sh- I should have stayed. And then it obviously got picked off. That was not his fault. Now, I will ask you, and it's something I feel like is just healthy for us and it's healthy for Dwayne, is what do you think that Dwayne could have done better on? I think he should never trust a Trey right. Quinn at wide receiver. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know like the whole play, how everybody looked like who was open, but if that's, if that's your first read and he was open, then he was throwing it. And if he sits there in that hole, like, like where he stopped and he sat in, in his row, like he's supposed to, then he catches it and it's like a little three, four yard gain or whatever. But I mean, it's to me, that's your first read. He's open, throw it. 
Well, I mean, it's not, it's not Haskins' fault I mean, that he branch, took back off. Branch beyond that one peculiar play. What are things? I know you said ball mechanics. Where? What are some things you feel like Dwayne, as a quarterback, can improve on? Because I mean, he's not perfect. I mean, no. he, has he made the best of the situation to its capacity? No, but you know, he's shown he's shown flashes and he's shown things he's good at. What are some things you feel like he could improve on, other than the things you just spoke of? So he he does hold the ball sometimes for sure, and. I don't know if that's just because the offensive line is so bad he's just, like, used to it at this point. But sometimes, like, when he does get time, you can find that he'll hold onto the ball. Like, I think there was, like, twice he got sacked where he held it and, like, he, like, ran back a little bit and tried to throw it at the last second, but they said he was down. But, I mean, to me, it was like – like we talked about in the Buffalo game. Like, he can't do pre-snap stuff. He can't do this. He proved all that wrong the first game. Um, so right now I think they're just working on his like mechanics and then just getting rid of the ball, honestly. And it's just chemistry with the offensive line. It's chemistry with the wide receivers. It's chemistry with the people that say they're tight ends, but we don't have a tight end. So I think, I think those are fair criticisms. And, you know, speaking of chemistry with wide receivers, Terry McLaurin just had just yeah. some circus catches in this game and they Love were all, him. they were all in double coverage. Every the one where he he mossed the guy and he was on the you got mossed seg, uh, segment on Sunday Night Football, that was beautiful, dude. He I mean, literally yeah, just yeah. said like, he just took he it actually, away from um, To to kind of conclude our game notes because you know everybody knows this this game was a lot too little and we didn't really catch up till the end. You know, um, Terry made just like like you just said a circus catch and absolutely mossed number twenty. I think his name was May. Never heard of the guy in my life, but you know Terry's a rookie too, man, and he just ripped the ball straight out of the guy's hands. And this wasn't the only catch he had at this capacity. He actually had uh, three receptions for around 67, 69 yards, and he was averaging like 23 yards a catch, which is just what we should come to expect from a guy like Terry. And, you know, that's another thing we can look forward to in the future is just like what they called it on TV. And I was kind of cool, happy to hear this. They called it the Ohio State Connection. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to kind of conclude the game notes, you know, I, things that I feel like Dwayne could improve on, I feel like that, you know, uh, that that waggle and he threw when they uh sc- did score that touchdown to Jeremy Sprinkle, I thought that was a very poorly placed ball. Oh yeah, uh, it was very weak, very underthrown. And, you know, it's kind of crazy coming for a guy like Dwayne, who is you know such elite arm talent, arm strength as he does. But you know, th- there's just little things that Dwayne can just you know kind of just work on in the off season and just kind of you know hone his craft in these last remaining games. There's nothing com- just extremely detrimental to Dwayne's game that makes me think that he couldn't be our starter for the next 10 years. And I think that's definitely the most uplifting part of the whole thing. But definitely not an uplifting final score. We lost 34-17. We're not going to sit here and beat you guys to death with the little details that don't matter. We're, we're just going to give you the breakdown of the important stuff. But um, what, what, what are some of the stuff for post-game drives that you found noteworthy? Um, well, like I said, uh, the Callahan thing saying, like, we're, like, we know we're not close. And he finally – it took – God, I don't know what took him so long to realize it, but he finally <laughs> realized we're not close. And he he just said, I feel sorry for the fans that come out and, you know, expect a better product than we provide. And it's just every week it's the same thing. And honestly, like we, we said before the breakdown, it just the, – the seats are getting emptier. And at it, some point – I don't know how it can get worse than last season, but it's gotten worse. I don't see how people actually buy season tickets. Like, you can't pay me to drive in that shitty traffic to go to a game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, me, like, me and my girlfriend were sitting down, um, I think, two days ago. I messaged you about which games we wanted to go to. Because, I mean, you know, we go to a game a year. Went to the 
Oakland game, 2017, Dallas game, year before was the Houston game last year. So, like I said, we, we try to go to a game a year. And, you know, I was trying to pick between this upcoming game between the Lions and the Giants. And, you know, I was looking at the prices, man. And, and like I said earlier, I thought they were extremely steep for, you know, a season that's this lost. And, you know, I, I, it, 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 I couldn't fathom paying the ungodly amount of money, like you said, that season ticket holders pay just to go and consistently see a team let them down. And, you know, it was kind of cool to hear – I wouldn't say cool, but it was nice to hear Callahan sort of echo the sentiments of, you know, I don't know how you guys deal with this shit. And, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, dude, yeah exactly. Uh, you never heard Jay say anything like that. All Jay would kind of do is just sit up there and beat himself up like a sad little man. But, you know, I, I mean, it was it, 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 just, it was honestly pitiful just looking at Callahan. Just, he couldn't even look people in the eye. He just was sitting there just extremely soft-spoken, just looking like a sad little man. Uh, I was just – it did kind of remind me of a Jay Presser now that I put it into perspective. Yeah, a little, bit. a little bit. But it just, like, and, like, watching the game, dude, it's so depressing. Like, not even just the game, but, like, looking at the fans. Like, could you imagine, like, it's just the thing, the only the thing that breaks my heart is, like, the old-fashioned fans that aren't, like, the, oh, this is who we need to draft. This is, like, oh, this is who's playing well. They're just, like, the man, I just love the Redskins and I just want them to win fans. Just the old-fashioned, I'm talking glory day fans that are just, we're like front office fans. That's what I would call us. We we try to run the team from the fan base. Like we're saying like, oh, this is who we need to draft. This is who needs to get cut. This is who's playing like shit. This is I mean, at least they've in. seen glory days. What the hell have we seen? Son, the, I, the, I, the I best you, player we've ever drafted get killed in cold blood? That's yep. all we've seen, literally. I've, dude, I mean, literally it, the year I was born was the last time that the Redskins had any kind of success, and that was winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was just listening to the post-game interviews. I mean, I listened to all of them, all the way through. Kerrigan was literally talking about how bad the Jets were and, you know, just how bad it was that we came off of a bye and just got handled by uh, just another bad team. You know, guys had kind of some uplifting words to say. You know, he said it wasn't – he says first career touchdown was, you know, it wasn't his primary focus. It was it, it was more so about the fact that they were losing and they needed to catch up. And, that you know, he, and like like we were saying throughout most of our notes, you know, it, the Redskins just shot themselves in the foot too much. And, that, and that's been just a re- reoccurring problem throughout, you know, not just this season, but just the last five, ten years it feels like. And, you know – uh, it was ca- honestly, you know, Kerrigan and guys like him who are well-established in the locker room are going to give the same answers they do every week. They're going to say all the right things. But it was, it, like I said, I, you said we're going to have positive vibes only. Haskins' post-game interview I thought was very positive, and, you know, it, it was actually pretty uplifting here, some of the stuff he had to say. You know, he was brought straight up with with criticism as to how he played and how the team played. And he said that he was nowhere near where he wanted to be, but he knows he can get there. And you know he he brought up the the guy multiple people interviewing him brought up the Berksome thing and everything that was going on during the game and you know he says hey man I know I play bad too I throw bad balls sometimes so I mean you know to to see a guy his age you know from his background you know take accountability like that and you really own the leadership role despite what everybody's saying about him is a good thing man so that when we start winning it's just gonna make him look even better he's already got half the game down man he just needs to you know get everything else clicking. Yeah, he he is for sure getting better every week. And like you said, he's not going to be perfect, but he's not going to ever be the guy that just throws everybody under the bus. He's not like the arrogant like Odell Beckham and 
that that's not him at all. That's how people see him just because of how he carries himself and how he talks sometimes. But I'm like a hundred percent like confident and Terry said it before too, like a confident Haskins is like as scary as it gets. And leader wise, like you couldn't get any better. He's played two games. Yeah. Two games. Two full games as a starter. And he's not a turnover machine. He's he's showing that he if it's not there, he's not gonna take it. He does he's not a case keener. He's not gonna sit there and try to throw people open and and do just stupid, just foolish things that will put this football team in terrible spots. He goes out there, takes what you give him, and he moves on, which in the long run is exactly like the Alex Smith recipe. And, you know, speaking of Alex Smith, um, starting to make rounds in the media. His wife's been posting a lot of his workout videos of him recovering, him starting to be able to lift and, you know, run on the broken leg, and he's making a lot of progress. You know, I feel like we've talked about this before, but, you know, since it's kind of a fresh wound, what is what are your thoughts on the whole Alex Smith situation? Do you feel like he you feel like he's something that the Redskins should be entertaining? Do you feel like he's a guy that's actually going to play for us next season? Do you feel like it's fair for him to come back and take that job from Haskins when you know we're trying to develop him into our future quarterback? What are your overall thoughts on the entire Alex Smith situation? No, I don't think he'll play ever again. Uh, you can't go through that injury and just risk that week in week out getting hit in the leg one. Literally, it's just going to take one hit for that thing to just completely just be annihilated again. You can't, you can't risk that, and it's not worth it. And honestly, it's it's a business decision that he needs to start talking about if he hasn't already. And I mean, I know he's starting to do his podcast and stuff again now too, and he's had like Larry Michaels doing it with him. Like that's the Alex I want. I want him up in the booth. Like I know he's always with Bruce Allen up in the uh, suites and stuff, and. Like, I'm cool with that. I like him. I like having him around the team. I mean, if you saw Dwayne Haskins tweeted about him and said he's such a great mind to be around and he's just, yeah. you know, honored to have someone like that in the locker room. With yeah, him. I mean, you know, that was one big difference between Alex and Case, I feel like, is, you know, Alex Alex knows that he can take this job if he were to ever come back and play because, you know, just the seniority there. Whereas Case's seniority, he used it, you know, he's <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm competing against this kid. You know, Alex is using – his, you know, his football IQ for all the right reasons to help Dwayne out. And and I wish Alex nothing but the best. And I and honestly, you know, in a perfect world, he's still our starter and we made the playoffs last season. You know, who knows, who knows, man, we're never going to know. And I don't feel like we just sit around and harp on that. We need to focus on reality and what's going on right now. And I feel like if you, you know, I feel like if you bring him back, not only are you putting him at risk, but you're basically, you know, putting a pause on any sort of progression Haskins can make. Because oh, I mean, absolutely. you know, like they said, man, like Shannon Sharp said, he never learned anything by sitting on the sidelines. So putting Haskins right back in that situation, especially after the awful start this organization gave him, I, I feel like you're doing nothing but just damaging Haskins in the long run for someone that not only shouldn't be playing football, but, you know, someone that just while he's a great guy, you know, he's not the long term answer. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, Haskins did get the start for the rest of the season because we've talked about it like. You have to because you need to see going into the like the postseason what exactly you have with Dwayne. And like I said, he's getting better every week. If someone has someone something bad to say about him, they're they're just they're happy we're losing. That's the fans. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I and I'm also one of those people that I don't feel like the rest of this season is indicative of how good of a quarterback Dwayne can be. I feel like there are too many holes at tight end, 
wide receiver, some offensive line. I mean, th- that oh, offense was far dude. from everywhere. perfect. And I feel like we're not even close to the point where we can really say we could give up on, on Dwayne. But like you said, you know, you got to look forward, you know, got got to gotta assess the future. And next week we take on the 3-6-1 and one Detroit Lions – Led by Matt Patricia and the all those all those former <laughs> what a leads. name I swear, dude, it's just like the the former Patriots team. You got Danny Amendola over there, Trey Flowers. Um, we'll be playing them at yeah. we'll be playing them at uh, the empty FedEx Stadium on uh, <laughs> Sunday at one o'clock. Uh, I've decided not to go to that game. I think me and a girl are probably going to head out to the Giants game. I think you said you were going to which one. So I'm I'm a new North Carolina resident, so I'm looking to go to the uh, Panthers game. So if you're going to the Panthers game, hit me up. Let me know. Oh yeah, we can totally. Anyway, I got I got some people. Okay, bet. Um, I don't mean to get distracted. Um, but I will say, uh, this is not. Uh, okay, I'm trying to say this the nice way possible. This, out of all the games we should win. This is probably number one. If Matthew Stafford doesn't play and you're playing against Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. Is this really a game that you can even remotely excuse if you lose? Uh, in what instance is that excusable? Uh, even if we're the Redskins and we're having one of the worst seasons in franchise history. I mean, this team barely lost to Dallas on Sunday. Which is crazy. I don't know how. Well, I mean, another crazy statistic we're going to throw crazy things out there is Driscoll has a better quarterback rating than Matthew Stafford. I mean, that that that's insane to me. He had two passing touchdowns to Marvin Jones Jr. He had a rushing touchdown. He's 15 or 26, 209 yards, 51 yards and eight carries rushing, 109.3 QBR. Matthew Stafford had 106 this season. So, I mean, I'm not saying that Jeff Driscoll is a slouch, but, you know, I – I don't really know how anyone could feel good about saying that they lost to Jeff Driscoll, especially with all the you know talent we have on defense on paper that should absolutely blow up a guy like this. And they have no running game. Like, on Johnson's a beast, but he's been hurt. They're they on their fifth running back, Bo Scarbo. Yeah, they signed him this week from Alabama. They signed him this week, and he's he scored. He was their leading rusher with like yeah, 50 and, and they're they're starting right tackle and their center out. So this team is beat up, and even with guys like Gary Slay on defense, they allowed over 500 yards to Dallas. So I mean, and they're also just just completely out of the playoff hunt. I mean, this team started off really hot, and a lot like the Chargers, you know, they lost a lot of games by one touchdown. But you know, it's. They're also a team that is struggling right now and, and has nothing, you know, indicative of anything that I feel like the Redskins should, you know, be completely outmatched by. I, nothing against them, man, but, like, on paper, I mean, this defense should absolutely just annihilate Jeff Driscoll. It should be all over him all day. Well, and I said that for the Jets, too, and it went literally the complete and, and opposite way. And that's my point. I really don't think anybody can be comfortable picking this team to actually beat the Lions at all. And because look at it, Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay, and Danny Amendola is a better wide receiver core than Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder. While that may be a better wide receiving core, you know, I I, I feel like we they just don't have a run game though. That's it. They don't have yeah, a run exa- game. Uh, exactly. You just took the words right out of my mouth. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. But I mean, I I, I personally don't think we're going to win. I think we're going to lose probably 31 21. I, I feel like we're going to put up a fight because. You know, their defense is very mediocre and they're missing a lot of pieces on offense. But at the same time, man, you know, I 
nothing Callahan is doing gives me any form of optimism as to us being able to win a shootout. I feel like we either come in, stuff the ball down people's throats, and allow six points or we lose. And that's not exactly a – and we've clearly shown that our defense is not capable of that. So I don't have very yeah. high hopes coming into FedEx this Sunday. What about you? Yeah. What are your thoughts? So, like, just looking at the Lions, I was like, no run game, good wide receivers, which always kills us, and their defense is bad. But they have good players, so I don't get why. Like, they got, like, Snacks Harrison, like you said, Darius Slay. Like, they have some playmakers. So, to me, it's one of those games where I have high hopes once again, and I think that it's not going to last long. Um, I can see it being a little closer. I had it at, like, 27-17. Um, just because I think we'll, I think we will score twice because the Lions defense has been playing that bad, and hopefully, you know, I, I think we're starting to get into a little bit of a groove with Geis and Haskins and Terry, and I think that opened up a little bit at the end of the game. Um, but I still think we lose. It's and it's going to be embarrassing to lose in FedEx once again. To, to Jeff Driscoll, I don't think I can emphasize that enough. I, that is going to be literally all I talk about this Sunday if we lose this game. So. Um, we'll see what happens though. Uh, as far as the Burgundy Breakdown podcast, guys, we've got we we got something pretty big, pretty big. We're gonna post this week. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Tell us a little bit more about it, Josh. Yes, yeah, so we actually had a uh, a conversation with Junior Glad. It was it was like what 45 minute, like it was awesome. I I mean, it, for us for that to be our first guest on the show was almost euphoric. You know, he was extremely easy to talk to. Really, really likable guy. You know. Everything we talked about, he didn't shy away from it. And, you know, in, if, it, in regards to our first guest on the show, I don't think we could have asked for a better one. I mean, yeah. he, we're, we're both personally huge fans of him. He was extremely easy to talk to, and, and we got a lot of stuff on there that we know you guys are, are, are just oh, going to eat up. We're, we're uh, extremely excited. You know, Josh, <laughs> I'm literally going to listen to it, like, every day. Yeah, jo- was... Josh has been really busy, so, you know, forgive us. Yeah, um, not bad with that. It's, we're gonna we're gonna I, get it up as soon as possible. We're we're really excited for you guys here. They'll probably be up actually by the time you guys hear this. But we just had to, you know, we we had to talk about it. Yeah, I was just I was I wasn't really surprised, but I just didn't know like what to expect. Like I've met a couple like you know professional athletes like on like a high level like that, and to me like he just stood out like because of like how chill he was, how open he was to talking about everything, the way that like his mindset like. And I told him, like, straight up, I was like, dude, like, that's why I wanted to talk to you so bad is because I see how you talk and how you carry yourself and just his mindset with his future and, like, you know, he talks about his destiny and stuff like that. Not going to give it all away, but, yeah, my apologies. I've been, dude, I've been so freaking busy. I literally moved to Wilmington, North Carolina on, like, a three-day notice. I packed up two houses, drove down, unpacked it all, doing job interviews, finally found a, a job, the first one I talked about a little bit with you, but just staying busy, so my, my bad on that. But it's definitely worth listening to. It's worth the wait. Oh, hey, guys, uh, Josh busts his ass for the, for the podcast, man. We both work really hard, but, you know, he definitely takes the cake if it were a contest. And, you know, I'm very grateful for him. And, you know, when, when it does come out, it's going to be great, and we're really excited about it. And, you know, just to – echo off your sentiment about junior being really easy to talk to you know these guys are people are these guys are people too man and you know you, you just got to talk to people and you know at junior sat there and just talked to us like we were normal people and you know we did the same for him not to say we aren't grateful for anybody we talked to on the podcast and 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 believe me we, we we've got more people we plan on bringing on in the future 
But, you know, like I said, guys, you know, just talk to the people like they're normal dudes, man. That, 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 you know, I look on Twitter and I see these guys just freaking out when they're talking to these people and, you know, acting like they're, you know, just these upper echelon human beings. And it's, 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 and don't get me wrong, there are plenty of them that act like they are, you know, that act like they're on a completely different plane than you because they're multimillionaires playing a professional sport. You know, you're working on nine to five, but, you know, Junior is very grateful for the time he had in the NFL. He was very grateful for everything that was given to him. And he, and he, like he told us, he would never take advantage of it again. And, you know, it's, it, it was very cool seeing him be very humble and, you know, take time out of his day because he, he's very busy to talk to both of us. And, you know, we're really excited for you guys to hear it. Yeah. He just, I mean, he talked about a lot of things that, you know, we kind of knew about, but he really opened up the doors to everything. And then just talking about, like defensive struggles right now with the Redskins and then just the whole situation with him coming back. Yeah, we did not shy away from asking him some tough questions either. Oh, but no, but we, we need to shut up. We're, we're saying way too much. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. One thing I'll, I will say, though, before we conclude that little topic is that, you know, he's not our last guest. We've got plenty more lined up. But, uh, you know, it's a long season and we're going to play our cards right. You know, hopefully have some other, you know, Redskins podcast people on. Uh, but, you know, we, we – like I said, Josh's been busy. I've been busy. We're trying to make the best of everything. We're trying to give you guys a consistent product, you know, give you guys the best analysis of the Redskins possible. But as far as the New York Jets versus Washington Redskins is concerned, uh, this has been the Burgundy Breakdown Podcast. Yep, and we will hit y'all up with a, another breakdown of the Lions game. Hopefully we'll, we'll win. But I'm just glad it's not on Thanksgiving because it would ruin Oh, God, dude, I'm so sad of – I'm I'm so tired of just eating stuffing and talking about how bad the Redskins are Dude, every year. This ruins a good meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what, what's the score? Twenty four nothing. Oh my god! Damn. It's, it's like oh wait, uh, we we only got a field goal. It's the fourth quarter. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Thanks. Let me just let me depress myself and eat. I eat know we're death. bad, Grandma. I don't need a. I, I need a reminder. Jeez. No, that's not right. Sonny Jurgensen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, RG3 hasn't been with us for years. <laughs> but I don't, I don't even know who plays on Thanksgiving. It's usually the Lions, so I don't It's know normally the Lions and the Bears, and it's just Mitch Trubisky running for his life and Matthew Stafford <laughs> on their defense. Just punts it backwards. As every year. Every year. I, I'm sure the Cowboys are playing. They have to. It's America's team, so. Oh, God, you're making me throw up. I got but anyways like i said we'll hit y'all up next week with the breakdown keep twitter popping y'all been good and like he said keep an eye out for that junior galette podcast it'll be dropping asap y'all have a good week this has been the breakdown httr peace had to take a quick halftime break to tell y'all a little bit about anchor anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast so let me explain It is absolutely free, and they give you the creation tools that you need that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast right away with no minimum on listenership, and is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app like I did, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the second half of the episode.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.